Hey guys, I'm Jared Gwynn. I'm a student pastor here. I'm also a personal trainer, which will be playing into the, today's sermon. We've been talking about body, mind, and soul, and how to be fit with your body, mind, and soul. So today, I thought a whole congregation could start with burpees. Okay, good. All right, let's pray, guys. Hey, God, we are here preparing ourselves to hear the word of God. We are posturing ourselves and preparing our body to relax in your presence. We are focusing our mind and preparing our mind to absorb your wisdom. We are allowing our souls to be open to reflect your goodness. Amen. Three week series. So, once again, body, mind, and soul. This has been a three week series. Um, today, we're talking about the soul. In my past, when I graduated from college, I was a high school science teacher and I, caught, and I coached several different sports. But the entire time, I've been a personal trainer also. I got certified in college. Um, and then, so since then, I have trained in basketball gyms, I have trained at public tracks. I've trained all over the place. I've even done corporate level. Um, I've trained at 10 Fitness. I opened up a garage gym at my house, did that for a couple years, and now I'm at a Blaze, uh, one of the local gyms here in town. Now, my certification is a CSCS, Certified Strength and Conditioning Specialist. So this is the kind of the degree you have to have to do college level and be a strength coach at you know, U of A or ASU or wherever. Now with that, it's not really built to be one-on-one personal training. It's built to be for a team. So like I would train or schedule or plan out a whole workout for a whole year for an athletic team. And that was kind of the mindset. But there's two things that had to be present throughout the workout to make it successful. Two things, about consistency and community. So throughout our sermon today, we're talking about consistency and community and how that helps you having a fit soul. Today, so once again, body, mind, and soul. So our scripture today is 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 8. It says, Have nothing to do with the godless myths and old wives' tales. Whether, I mean, rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, so it has a purpose, it is good. But godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So today we're looking at the word soul. And just for kicks and giggles, you know, before a service, I walked around like, yep, today we're talking about soul. How would you define the word soul? And some people just kind of stared at me like, oh, I never really thought about that before. Just something we just, a word we use. So we're going to break it down two ways. The first way is from the Oxford Dictionary, and it says the soul is the spiritual or immaterial part of a human being or animal regarded as immortal. One way to look at it. But we're going to define the word soul by using scripture. So first Genesis, Genesis chapter one, verse of God, he says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. He made, he made male and female, he created them. So if you look at what it means to have a fit soul, 
we're looking at reflecting God's image. What's God's image? This original term came from the Latin term imago Dei, okay? But where is this also out in Scripture? Because sometimes if we just grab one verse, we're not really getting the full picture of what's trying to be described in the Bible. So let's look at a couple of different verses. John 4.24 says, God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. So truth is a key word there. Another one, Ephesians 4.24 says, to put on the new self and created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So a couple sermons ago, we talked about God is good. If you missed that sermon, it's on Spotify. Go back and check it out. But what is good? Good is holy. What is holy? Holy means to be set apart. So God is good. That means to be set apart. So if we're going to be made in the image of God for today, we're describing the soul as just something that helps set us apart. So it's called Beyond. Let's break it down a little bit. Now, one of my buddies gave me a great book. It's called Beyond Bronze. Okay, it's an exercising book for bodybuilding, lifting weights, elite in the late 80s, early 90s, but it's good stuff. One of the quotes I grabbed from it is from an elite bodybuilder did Olympic weightlifting, like top-notch 1% of the world. He got interviewed and asked, what makes you elite? If someone wanted to be elite versus just an average Joe that shows up to the gym each week, like what makes you a top athlete? He said, I'm willing to be bored. He's like, what? He's like, I'm willing to be bored. So if we interchange the word of bored to the word consistent, it makes a lot of sense. You have to be consistent on showing up and keep going and keep doing, and that's what makes you fit with the physical terms, is being consistent. Consistency works in all different kinds of manners. It's like studying for a test. In college, I learned real quick. If you study for a test 15 minutes a day, each day you get the new notes, you go back to your dorm room, you study for about 15 minutes. When it comes time for the test, you don't have to cram and, and spend all night trying to study. When you've been looking at something every single day and been exercised 30 minutes a day. So exercise is the same way. You exercise 30 minutes a day, and it builds and adds over time. If you're really busy all week and you don't make time, I miss this week. Saturday, you're like, oh, I need to go run 10 miles today to make up for all the exercise I missed this week. You ain't going to make it, okay? It doesn't work that way. Consistency has to be key. And as you build consistency, you build your community around it. So as you build your consistency, your community starts forming around that consistency. And they feed off each other going back and forth. So you're like, what is community? Looking at that. To me, community is saturation. Whatever you're being saturated with is your community. So I'm going to list off a couple different communities that maybe y'all might be in. Work. Do you have a workplace, a job? That is considered saturation. Who you spend time with at your work, who you talk to at your work, who you make phone calls to, email to, those are the people that you're saturating yourself with and becoming consistent with. All right, it's deer season. So if you have a deer camp, you and your buddies are hanging out, that is your community. That's who you're being saturated with. All right, 
jujitsu, Neil Roberts, Steve Shamus, okay, both of them, like it's are completely saturated in their community of jujitsu. Once you're part of that martial arts community, like it's just part of you. It's in you. It's what you look at on YouTube. It's what you do on Saturday nights. It's what you do to stay fit. It becomes part of who you are. The choir singing. Like that group is close. The last couple of years, I've been able to train three ladies in my house that's in the choir. And basically, I just put weights in front of them and they lift and talk for about 40 minutes about the choir. Like that's what they do, okay? But they have a group text, they're texting every day. They're part doing birthday parties together. Like they're constantly doing stuff together. Wherever you're consistent at and become saturated in, that is your community. And then we have our root groups. Our root groups meet every Sunday at 10 o'clock. It's like our small group system here at our church. And that becomes your spiritual community that helps you become soul fit. Now, looking at scripture and what it says about being in a community and reflecting God's image, I have two positive verses and responses of what happens when you do reflect God's image and you do stay consistent in a spiritual community. And we'll also look at a story from the Bible when someone chooses not to be consistent. So, our first verse is Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. And it says, Hear God, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The lo- love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments taught you today are to be on your heart. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. It's saying anywhere you go, you're driving to Sonic, have conversations. You're driving by, you see the billboard, have a conversation about it. If you listen to the music, ask questions about how that song can help you grow spiritually with your kids. Like constantly just saturate them with a thought process of what the Bible says. Consistency. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames of your houses and on your gates. Joshua 1.8 says, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate it on day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. Being around Scripture, meditating on it day and night, just being completely surrounded upon it, makes a big difference. I was on a mission trip with my youth group uh, a couple years back, and we were visiting someone's house, and we walked in. And I don't, I don't know if they had wallpaper or not, because all they had was pictures and posters, and it was all Scripture everywhere, crosses. It was just, it was okay, completely saturated, and it was, it was a lot to take in, okay? But anyone that walked into her house and spent more than five minutes could only see God. That was your only option because it was so much everywhere. And that's important. Yes. So what happens, guys, when we don't reflect God's image? Bad things. So here's a scripture story about it. King David is known as a man of God in the past when he was being threatened for his life and running for his life from King Saul and living in caves just to survive. And as he took on Goliath, all these processes that he did, all these different things, he'd always go to God and say, God, how do I need to handle this? 
God, what's next? God, I need your help. God, I need your strength. Like just kept on saying, God, I need your help through this consistency. I need your help. Until 2 Samuel chapter 11, 1 through 5. It says, in the spring, at the time when kings go off to war. So it's setting up the presence, the president of, so speak, going to war. David sent Joab, Joab out, the, out with the king, but the whole Israelite army. And they destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. So in the time of the year when kings lead their people out, he chose to not be consistent and not to be with his community. Instead, sent other people out. He chose to stay home and not be where he should have been. So one evening, David got out of his bed and walked around the roof of the palace. David should be asleep, but I bet he's stressed. He's worried that his army's out. He has no way to find out. You couldn't just text the general and be like, hey, man, how's it going? Shoot me a picture. What's the update? Okay, that didn't happen. You had to wait for them to get back. Wait to send messengers. So he couldn't sleep. Wasn't in his community. So from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. And David sent out someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Uriah was one of 40 of David's mighty men. So one of his truest soldiers one of the 40 guys that helped him survive for years in the wilderness when the whole kingdom was trying to kill him. These guys are close. Then David sent messengers to get her and she, when he slept with her. Now she was purifying herself for monthly uncleanliness. And she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. David's like, man, if I had just gone to war. The story doesn't stop. David continues on, ends up basically killing Uriah indirectly on purpose, okay? So if he'd not been, if he'd just been consistent, he would not have committed adultery or murdered someone. Got to stay consistent, stay in your community. So how does this lesson affect all of us as individuals? How can we start learning from this scripture what God is trying to tell us on how to be soul fit. Well, my personal training experience, when I, when I train someone one-on-one, okay, sometimes they have good results. But when they bring a workout buddy with them every time, within their group, they have success. Because when you work out with a buddy and it's Tuesday and you don't feel like going, you don't want to text your friend and be like, man, I, I'm just not going to be there. Like you show because you don't just disappoint your friend. Like, it works. Almost every single time I've set up someone to train, I'm like, who do you want to bring with you? Make a partner. Like, I'll charge you the same price. Bring someone with you. Because it makes them so much more, put all you got, successful and efficient in the process. Also, you're going to give it all you got. Same way of our root groups. When you go to a root group every Sunday, but if you're, and you miss, usually your root group's going to know. But if you're willing to know that someone's going to miss you and not be there, you're more likely to come and be upheld and be accountable to your actions. Having a root group helps you stay spiritually in your fit soul. So another way to look at consistency is attendance. 
attendance is being consistent. For example, each time you decide to be present and read your Bible, that builds into consistency. Each time you choose to pray and have attendance in prayer, it builds. Each time you have attendance at church, each time you have attendance in your community, it builds upon consistency. So you're like, well, what are some ways I can be attendant in something? How can I be consistent? So you're brand new, or maybe you've been here for 15 years, and you're like, what's next for me? Well, every Wednesday morning, there's a men's group. They have coffee, 6 a.m. There's one group. I meet with my, my male youth volunteers on Sunday nights. We have a men's group. We have our Azer Women events. So Azer Women have a root group that meets every Sunday morning, but once a month, any lady from church can come and get connected and do an event. We have our worship teams, join the choir, join the praise team. Those are great ways to get plugged in. Or maybe you're like Don and Phillips. Every single Sunday, they sit next to each other. That is their community right there. If one of them misses, they know it. And that's awesome. That's so encouraging. We are creatures of habit. We sit, Carlisle sit over here every Sunday. You know it. But here's the thing. If they look around and their people aren't there, you call them. You check in. Just showing up to Sunday morning worship and being present, that adds community. It builds. It builds consistency. So what are some other ways to build community? Ball games. Like you go to the ballpark or your kids are like on the same team. Like for example, uh, Presley Hicks and Cora, they're on the same basketball team for two years in a row. So like my family and the Hicks family, Beth and Bo, like we're tight, okay? Our kids also go to the same daycare together. Like we're, our community with them is completely saturated all the time between birthday parties, ball games, etc. And why that's important is to be around people that you're doing life with and doing church with. Because, for example, if you go to the ball, or you can say, hey, see them and have a conversation, you can talk about last week's sermon. Or you can say, hey, see you tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. Yep, I'll be there. If you're not community, you can't ask that question. There's not accountability. So there's a verse that goes with that. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. It says, let us consider how we may spur one another toward love and good deeds. We like the word spur. Okay, a little kick. So, and not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. But encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So, as we have this consistency... And as we have this community, God is right in the middle of it. As you become more consistent, you become closer to God. As you have more community, you become more like God. And it all feeds off each other. As you're consistent, you start seeing how God is working, and you join Him in the process. As you're doing that, and you're in community, your community sees you working with God. And they can also join God in the process. It's all about, that's why we did this whole sermon series. It's to help you be God is working. Physically, mentally, and spiritually fit to see how God is working. When you're physically fit, you can actually have the things you be consistent. When you're not sleeping 
when you're not eating healthy, you're not doing these certain things, you aren't living up to your full potential to be ready to do God's work. When you're not fit with your mind, you can't focus, you can't concentrate and be present. Guys, that's my biggest issue. Like, Bailey knows when I'm not focusing at dinner. Like, I don't talk, I'm distant, I'm just staring at my food. Like, you've got to be present. And when you're mentally present, you once again, you see how God is working. And then once again, having a fit soul, you reflect God's image, and you see how God is working, and other people see that too, and it's just a chain reaction. So as you become consistent with your body, mind, and soul, they all start coming together, and you start seeing where God is working and the mission that's in front of you. Every single person in here has a purpose. It might be as simple as showing up on Sunday to help your buddy next to you grow spiritually, but that's a purpose because your buddy has a purpose. God, we need to start. So as we close today in worship, we need to start a process of being physically present. When we sing today, be present with your body. Be mentally present in worship. Be spiritually present in worship. And it might think, be weird to think about worship that way, but being all three of those combined in worship changes your worship atmosphere. It changes how you worship throughout the week, all together. So let's pray. God, we want to join you. You are at work all around us. As we strive to become fit with our body, our mind, and our soul, let's eliminate the excuses and move forward with consistency and community. Amen. So guys, today as we close in worship, if you need to come forward and pray about something, let it go. If you want to pray at your seats, you're welcome to do that. But once again, as you worship, as you move forward throughout the holiday season, as things are coming up with Christmas and end in your soul, think about your body, your mind, and your soul. They're all connected. God had a plan for it. God is, how God is at work, and we're excited to hear about how you're going to join him. Let's stand for worship, guys. Thank <music> you.